It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And guys, we're going to stay on the recruiting trail. We already talked a little bit about the recruiting today. We're going to continue with the recruiting because of this is a major deal for Texas A&M. When you look at the 2020 recruiting class, the SEC is already a dominant division. And when you can win in the SEC, predominantly the SEC West, you are setting yourself up for promising potential for the future. And that's exactly what AM did. 25 players will join the Maroon and White for the 2020 season. And AM is looking to be a contender for the long-term future, not just in 2020 and well beyond that. But now they're also going to be able to start looking like a real legitimate threat to win the SEC under Jimbo Fisher starting in year three. Before we go any further, just a couple of housekeeping things. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is the number one spot where you can check out all of our great work. Also, Aggies SI, all Aggies, and the Locked On Podcast Network have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things with Texas A&M. You're going to want to check that out. Go ahead and follow us at si.com slash T-A-M-U. And last but not least, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm super cool. I'm super easy to get along with. I'm super flexible with my time. You can follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked On Aggies. One look at this AM roster, and you have to feel strong about the 2020 season, especially if you look back at what they were able to do with the recruits from 2019. There were a total of, I think, seven starters at one point for AM, and they're going to be back next season to build off of a productive year. Now, again, a lot of people are sitting here going, how can you call 2019 a productive year? Here's the reality of it. Seven and five was not the best record they could have, but it was probably the second closest. Eight and four, I think, was the best record that they have. You don't see a team face the AP's preseason top three in a single season that often. In fact, before this, it was 44 years before we saw this happen. And that was in 1975 when Missouri did it. We saw two teams do it in South Carolina and AM, which must have just meant it was a crazy year because. Yeah, Alabama didn't go to the college football playoff for the first time ever. And LSU was able to be the number one team in the nation offensively. I mean, you can call that a really crazy year if we're being completely honest. But overall, AM also had to face the number one team three times in the nation. A first in NCAA history. So, I mean, congrats to them. They went 0-3, but they did face the number one team three times. And They actually almost beat one of those top three preseason teams with it being Georgia in Athens, so that's a positive for them as well. But you look at this roster and what is moving forward with the 2020 class, Jimbo Fisher had a lot to say about that, and we're actually going to go over his press conference really soon. Here were his opening thoughts on the recruits that he was able to secure for the 2020 season. It's uh... Great to finish up the signing class, uh, signing period number two, and not quite as many uh, as the first one, which uh, is kind of the way this thing is going. But uh, 
nonetheless, nonetheless dramatic. <laughs> as far as not really dramatic, but you always got those same nerves, no matter how many, if you're signing one or you're signing 21, it doesn't matter, or 23 or whatever it may be. But you know, I thought we did a real good job. And I like to say, I think our, our assistant coaches did a tremendous job. I think they across the board in all the positions and the things they did, our coaches did a good job of. And what I think they do a great job of is personal relationships. They go out and spend time and they, and they, they do things the right way. And going through the coaches and the straight line recruiting that is, is involved here in Texas and going through the coaches themselves and then, uh, you know, branching off into the families of, of those kids. But then the, kid, the coaches in Texas were outstanding uh, to deal with. They're very professional, do a great job, and uh, promote their kids very well, and, and they're easy to communicate with. It, it's one of the best ones. And uh, But our we, coaches did a great job, and also our players. I think our players did a tremendous job when they were hosting kids. Listen, you, get, you can talk about recruiting all you want and give coaches credit. When players get to schools and they spend time and they take official visits and they get around your players, make no mistake that – Players are going to tell them what's going on in the program. Our players did a good job of they believe in what we're doing, how we're doing it, and they sold our program and wanted those, these guys to be teammates of them. And, you know, your players are just as big a part of recruiting as any of the coaches and everything else is. And then, of course, you got a great product to sell in Texas A&M as far as the culture of the people, the education, the commitment to athletics, and then life after ball with the Aggie ring. We have a lot to sell. And uh, to our coaches, this school, and our players, I thought we did a tremendous job of doing that. And then the coaches made it outstanding to, to be able to work through them and go into straight line recruiting right through them. And then the uh, coaches did a good job out of state. We were able to get pl players uh, from other places, being able to target guys and get great players that we think come in here. And then I think we went across the board at all positions. We have a need. Like I said, we had needs at all positions. We have to build depth. We have to build great players. And uh, we did that. So very excited about this group. Now we got to get them coached and get them in school and Make sure everything dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and we've already had uh, 13 of them come in early, and uh, in midterm. So there are a lot of those guys. That process has already started. So I think one of the most important things that Fisher brings up in the presser isn't, in fact, about building for the now. It's about building for the future. And one thing that he really did emphasize on that we'll talk a little bit later in the show is how he was able to win outside the state but also how players play a predominant role in the winning culture for your team. A lot of people don't realize that it's important to sell the school as much as it is to sell the program. And when you're able to bring in a recruit, and maybe he knows someone already at the school, and maybe he is deciding between one to two programs, and he sees what the education can bring and what the program can bring and what you've seen the success of certain players at a certain position can bring. That's just as important as what his role is with the program the upcoming year. If you can promise that a player down the line has a chance to really make a name for himself in a few years and you hear, oh man, this is a great school. You know, it's not just about the athletics. It's also about what we can do on the weekends. You know, what we're, you know, what we are representing, who we are as part of a program, all of that combined really sells the school. And for National Signing Day, that's a major get. The biggest thing is that A&M had 23 guys already signed to the program, 13 are already enrolled in campus. So they kind of have a head advantage over a lot of other programs. They have guys already in the building and they're not worried about having to get more players. They really were able to spend this second recruiting process getting those little needs that can make them a pretender into a contender. They got two guys. We already mentioned them earlier uh, today. Devron Hubbard 
and McKinley Jackson, a huge get out of Mississippi, that are both going to be depth at the defensive line and in the running back field, but also quality players who could see pretty early playing time due to the position they play. Both those players have skill sets that Fisher was really expecting them to flourish in year one out in College Station. Both Jackson and Hubbard bring something unique to the AM roster, and we'll be discussing what they bring in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, if you're not subscribed to the Locked On Podcast Network, let me ask you a serious question. What are you doing with your life? It's not that hard. It's one website, LockedOnPodcast.com. We have over two dozen college shows ready for your listening ears. Plus, with everything going on in the NFL offseason, the NBA trade deadline's coming up. Also, you have the NHL going in the All-Star break. And, of course, MLB about ready to kick off their season. Plus, fantasy never dies. You always have a news that coming out of fantasy. So make sure you check out all of our great podcasts at LockedOnPodcast.com. Talking back about the recruiting trail, Texas A&M was set for a big-time year thanks to early signing day. Early signing period is a new sense of where players are able to make their official commitments. It's actually probably more important now than National Signing Day just because of you are going to have to win there. And Coach Fisher actually brought up a point about that and how it affects the recruiting cycle moving forward. You better have your guys ready in the first signing because that's when most of them are going. I mean, and, and I get it. I mean, that's the way it is. And it's, I mean, it's a great relief when it's over because you have a certain limited number of guys in the end. It makes January you can target guys and, and work on your future classes, which I think is good because of the advancement, how advanced these kids are getting and making decisions and where they are in their recruiting process. I think that does help you. I mean, it makes it heck. It makes it tough as heck. You know, coming off a bowl game, you're getting ready for a bowl game, you're having signing day and all those type of things. And for coaching changes, it makes it very difficult. I went through that two years ago. Remember I said, I mean, it's a very tough thing, but at the same time, there's a lot of good to it. I mean, it really is. Like I said before, I don't mind it at the end of August where you can do some things for the coaches during the season, but uh, or not the end of all, end of uh, July, you know, before you go in. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I do think it's good and it's going to stay and, uh, you know, get you going to the next classes and what you have to do, but you got to be ready to have them ready to roll when uh, when, when December comes, because it seems like it's what ninety percent probably, or more, probably higher than that. Would I, would I say? I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but it, the numbers would be close to that. So when looking at early signing period, it's important to win then, but it's also important because it shows where you have holes, and it looked like the two biggest holes were in defensive line and the running back position. Running back was one that a lot of people were talking about because of how many players left this offseason. You had four running backs in Daneric Prince, Jacob Cabote, Cordarian Richardson, and the biggest surprise of all, Jayshon Corbin, the team's original starter at the beginning of the year who got hurt in week two with a hamstring injury that sidelined him for the remainder of the year. All four of them need to be replaced. So you had to go out and you had to address that running back role. Uh, you look at what they were able to do in the initial signing. They brought in two guys in DeAndre Jackson and Devin Acne. Acne's a guy who's going to be that I honestly think, if you remember Trey Williams for A&M a couple years back, and a mix of that and maybe a Speedy Noyle role. A wide receiver, hybrid runner, who's going to do a little bit of everything. 
This guy scored 114 touchdowns in three years for Fort Ben Marshall. I mean, he's a good player. That's all you got now. Like, he, he's good. He knows what he's going to do. He's going to be someone who finds success with his motion and with his pure speed. But then they went out and they added another guy. And this is a signing I really like in Dravon Hubbard. When you look at Hubbard and what he was able to do, he was an Ohio State commit who was a big framed guy and lost weight, shed the weight off to reopen up his recruitment. He didn't want to be a burly back in the Big Ten. He wanted to be now a speed back or a multi-purpose back in the SEC. So now that you have him on the roster, this is a very good move because if you kind of have all different types of runners. And there's another player who is also going to be in the backfield this year. And Fisher actually addressed that during the presser on Wednesday afternoon. I am. I mean, they all can catch the ball, but they all have different skill sets. And, uh, you know, Isaiah had a great year, big and physical and strong. Really watch him grow. It's amazing how those guys can grow in that second year, hopefully. And especially after being on the field and going through all that. Anias, back there, you saw us put him in the bowl game, and we were going to leave him back there. We're going to leave him back there and let him play. He is natural back there as the day is long, can run that football. He's 192 pounds right now. He ended up being a 195, 96-pound guy that can carry it, but also go out there and not just catch the ball as a back, but can run routes. And as, there's a big difference in that, how you can match him up and the things he can do. I think his skill set really allows you to do a lot of things. And then bringing Hubbard in, uh, again, a little bit bigger, uh, not quite as big as Isaiah, but in that skill set, great change of direction, hands, inside tackle runner. And that's like that's just like uh, a nice. Nice is a great tackle to tackle runner. I mean, did it in Canton, you know, and you saw it in the bowl game, but I mean, really did it and blocked well. So I think those we're off to a good start with that group. So with Anaya Smith now actually taking snaps at running back, that opens up the hole for not just the depth at running back, but also at wide receiver. Uh, and you can now see probably Damon Damos, Cameron Buckley, uh, and, and Four-star wide receiver Musa Muhammad Jr. Actually, all probably earn a role there. But focusing back on the running back, to get Smith in your backfield, you now have your speed back. So him and Acne are going to be the speeders. You're going to have probably Jackson as your workhorse. You're going to have Hubbard as your bigger, elusive back. And you're going to have Spiller as your lead back. About four months ago, when all this started going out that Kabodi wasn't getting playing time, Richardson was, you know, contemplating what was going on. You had uh, you had Corbin who was injured, and Prince had already, you know, left the program. This running back position looked to be in shambles. Instead, you're walking away a huge winner now because of what you were able to get. And the one thing that I love to hear from Fisher on this is how each running back is different. You have to be able to win with multiple different players on the field. If every running back is a three-down runner through the trenches, inside the you know inside zones, gonna have to win, you know between the tackles, between the guards, you're not gonna have success. You want to be able to have a guy who comes in on third and short is a pass catcher and can light up the field down the sideline. You also want to be able to have that guy who's gonna be able to win inside the trenches on a third and short and use his big frame to carry the team forward. Everything that was addressed in the running back position, especially with Hubbard, who is that elusive back, maybe not as well received as a guy like Zach Evans, but still a guy who can win, 
you have promise for the future. And something to really respect about the run game is the ability to create separation. Each one of these runners can create separation in their own way. And that alone makes this class special. Another thing that makes this class really special besides the fact that there's a ton of players already on campus, over a dozen players are on campus right now, it's their ability to win outside the state of Texas. And we're going to be talking about that in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure, again, you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies for all your great Texas A&M social media coverage. Going back to the recruiting trail of Texas A&M, when you look at this roster and when you look at what A&M was able to do in the third year of the Fisher era, there's a lot of things that a lot of people are going to say. And the first is, well, one year didn't he have a top five class? According to 27 Sports, yeah. 24-7 gave AM last year the number four ranking. This year, they gave them, as of right now, what it's likely going to stand, the number six ranking. But you look at what Fisher and his staff was able to do outside the state of Texas is phenomenal. This is a guy who a few years ago could only win in the state of Florida outside of the state of Texas. Now he's winning everywhere. He's winning in Illinois and getting a guy like Antonio Johnson. He's winning in Missouri, getting the number one linebacker in Antonio Doyle. He's winning in New Jersey in the East Coast, getting two top level players at their respective positions. He's still winning in Florida. He has the number one defensive end from Florida coming to College Station. And he's winning in the Lone Star State. Here was Fisher's thoughts on what it means to win, not just in Texas, but also win outside of your own state where you're supposed to fight. Way it go. I mean, we're always going to recruit inside out in Texas. We're always going to recruit the players in Texas, and you know, target the guys that we think we can win an SEC championship with, and a national championship with. And there's plenty of them in Texas, and we recruit the heck out of them. Got a lot of guys we want, a lot of the top guys, but some guys elect. You know, they don't come here. I mean, some guys, you know, go to other schools. They leave the state of Texas, or they go to other schools. So I mean, that's part of recruiting. But we're trying to get everybody in Texas. But also, we're not going to limit ourselves to Texas because you got to be able. There's a lot of players across this board, and we're in a global world now. People travel, things, access, accessibility, and, and you uh, build that Texas A&M brand outside of here and people really see what this school has to offer. Like I said, from a cultural standpoint, from the unbelievable academics in which you have, from the commitment to athletics, for the coaching staff we have here, uh, the way we're building things, the 12th man, all the things that go on in life after ball at Texas A&M is very attractive and kids are willing to see that and uh, get involved in it so all the way across the country. So, you know, we're always going to work inside out because we have a tremendous state, tremendous high school coaches to go through, but also... I say you get all the guys you can, and, and if you don't, and if those don't, you you expand your brand outside, and we're able to do that right now and doing it very well. I think when you look at what AM was able to do and find 12 players ranked number one at their position, whether that be in Texas, there were three, Damon Damos, uh, Jalen Jones, and Haynes King, but also what they were able to do to go out of state and bring them into College Station. It shows what kind of level you're expanding to in the recruiting process. 
And when you're able to get to that level and you're able to take your players and put them, maybe not on a pedestal is the word I'm looking for, but you're able to put them in a position to win and not only win, but also go back on winter break or go back, you know, when you have time off in the summer for a little bit and be able to tell those younger recruits when you go talk to them, hey, College Station is the place to be. You're only going to add depth. And the biggest thing that I've realized looking at some of these schools, when you have one player who's really good at his position, there's a very good shot there's more than one player who's going to come from that same school who's also incredibly talented. So if you're able to, say, land two players from, let's just go Indiana, and they're the number one offensive guard and offensive tackle. And if they're from the same school and they already know how to play together, huge win. That's a big win. Say you go Maryland and you're getting the number one cornerback and the number two cornerback. And there you go. You you know how they're playing together. If they're the number two, number one guy, and you're able to get them to come to College Station because of their background, they already know how to play with each other. That's already a big get. Because you can find the positives and negatives for a program. So AM winning in their state, they're winning with their main additions. Damos, I think, is going to start day one. Because of what was lost to the NFL draft, and now with Smith moving to the running back position, he's going to be a day one starter. You don't have a five-star sit the bench, or at least not be a contributor early on. Then you have to look at King. King's the long-term option. He's going to be there fighting for the starting job, I think, year two with Zach Calzada. So if you redshirt him, that might even be the smarter move because you know you're not going to need him this year. Don't burn a redshirt because of you want to play him and see what his future can be. Keep him for the long run. And then you get Jalen Jones, a safety who is going to play cornerback because he's that talented at the position. Huge get. Maybe you don't need him immediately, but maybe you use him on special teams, see what his role is, and if there's injuries that start piling up, there you go. You have your guy. They have three major positions in the state of Texas that they won, and they won outside the state. A&M is a true contender, and they're looking more and more like one of those teams that maybe could sneak into that conversation of where we put them. Maybe they won't be a top five team immediately when the initial rankings come out in July for the preseason AP. Maybe it'll be more so around, I don't know, like week two after they clobber North Texas and Abilene Christian. If they do all that with the recruits that they have in place, this is a team that's going to, I think, honestly value a spot inside the top 10 for sure. And if they continue to win, it's going to be hard to keep them out of the top four conversation to when the college football playoff rankings initially come out. They look like a contender. But that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Aggies SI, at Locked on Aggies, and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Tomorrow's show, we'll be breaking down recruits from all across the SEC and where Texas A&M lands with everyone else in the conference and how their season could benefit for being a good year. We'll just be discussing that tomorrow. Make sure you tune in. And remember, take them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. 
Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.